Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's up, guys? I'm Titus here with the MVM Show, my co-host Thomas. What's going on, guys? We are joined today by none other than Elliot from Freelance Hunt Duck Hunting. What's up, Elliot? I'm really glad to be on uh, the NDM. I, I, as I'm telling you, I've been actually listening to quite a few episodes lately, so it's it's always fun to get off of the regular podcast. I'm on Duck Gun podcast and be on a different, so I'm honored to be here. Man, well, we're glad to have you. I think we're going to have a good time on this conversation today. So um, before we get going, guys, just a couple things to go over. Don't forget to check us out. If you guys like watching YouTube videos, uh, don't forget to check us out. Mid-Valley Mercenaries uh, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us there. But our guest today also has a lot going on, too. Elliot, can you just, at the beginning, since it's the most people on at the time, go ahead and give us your uh, social media and all your the podcasts and all the good stuff. All right. Uh, my YouTube channel is Freelance Duck Hunting. You can find me on Instagram, at Freelance Duck Hunting. Um, got a podcast with Jordan Fulmer from Duck Gun Chronicles called the Duck Gun Podcast on Facebook. Uh, so it's for the Duck Guns or uh, freelance duck hunting. Oh my gosh, there's so much media these days, you know? It's, like, it's a ton. It's great. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. And you, know, you just feel like you start getting this zone of telling everybody about what you have. You're like, man, I've, there's a lot. It's crazy. It's crazy. And updating it all the time is, man, it's a lot. It is. A lot yeah. of work, huh? That's fun though, but let's let's get into Elliot. You kind of uh, I was on with uh, uh, with you guys there on the Duck Gone podcast, and I believe this is, that's uh, com- will already have come out by the time this one um, airs. But let's kind of go in the same thing that you guys asked me. I'd like to hear about you know how you started with. Well, let's start with you just starting duck hunting. Like when was that, and how you got into it, and then roll right into how the YouTube thing started. Okay, well, um, my hunting history is my dad did not hunt growing up. Um, and then he married my mom, obviously, and her side of the family, they were big upland game hunters. So they got him into 
quail hunting, pheasant hunting. So opening day, um, there was always this big to do about upland game. And I remember, you know, when I was kindergarten, first grade, second grade, my dad would come home and he'd be sitting on the back porch and he'd have quail and pheasants. And I remember the gunpowder smell and I didn't realize what it was. But every time he'd come home, it'd be that gunpowder smell. He'd have these cool little birds in his hands. And I thought those quail were so cute. And, um, and that's just that smell is burnt into my brain. So about the time I got into well, middle school, I started the upland game hunting. And I mean, we, we weren't like fanatics about it. We went out three or four times a year. Um, my uncle was running Britney's and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I wasn't a very good shot, but it was a lot of fun. And so I got into about, I was about 13 and my dad said, you know, why don't we go out to Cheyenne Bottoms? We'll go out there. We have this little pop-up camper. Um, we'll, we'll camp out. Um, that night, I remember we went to like a small town high school football game. And, and the next morning was the teal opener. So and we didn't even have any decoys. We didn't have any waders, nothing. So we got up the next morning and we just went and like sat off the side of the road, basically in a ditch. And there was teal flying, but we didn't have any idea what we were doing. We, we were able to get one shot and we kind of sky busted. And, um, but there was something about it. There was something about the marsh. There was something about the sounds and the smells. And even though we only shot once, it just seemed like the coolest thing to me. Mm-hmm. And so that night, um, and I was like, well, you know, we didn't shoot anything. So why don't we go out to our best dove pond and go dove hunt? So we were walking up to the dove pond and we, my dad looked up there and he's like, there's three teal on the pond. And we've been dove hunting a ton and we had, um, never actually seen teal on this pond. It just so happens that first teal hunt day, we're, we're sneaking up and there's three teal on the pond and we jump them and kill all three. So I've got this, they were all green wings and I've got this little teal in my hand and it just seemed like such an exotic, cool, fascinating bird to me. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked from that moment on, but we still didn't, we still didn't actually duck hunt. Um, we, we stuck with the upland game hunting. We really got into prairie chickens actually became, that was the first thing that I was truly passionate about hunting is prairie chickens in Kansas, um, which is a real unique, different style of hunting. Most people don't even know about it. Uh, but we did that for quite a while. That's the time until I got up until um, about college and my dad bought a black, a pointing black lab. And because I don't know how they're, I know back then they were trying to breed labs to point. And I, I've lost track of how well they're doing with that program at this point in time. So he about this thousand dollar dog, close to point. And we were going to do a little bit upland hunting and some duck hunting. So um, he had a professionally trained and everything. And we actually started duck hunting a little more seriously. And we were on a couple duck hunts. And it's like we never ever upland hunted again, basically. It was just like, we got so hooked on waterfowl hunting that we just never looked back, never prairie chicken hunted, never, well, part of it because I was in college too. So mm-hmm. we would come back, come back and waterfowl hunt. And, and, uh, man, I, we just fell in love with it. But from that point on, it was just like waterfowl, waterfowl, waterfowl. Um, in fact, there was one time I went pheasant hunting in the last 10 years. It was an afternoon after a waterfowl hunt. And we were walking in a cornfield or something. We walked one field and I looked at my dad and I was like, man, let's just go out and set up some decoys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we did. So that's kind of my overall, that's what got me into it. Um, and ever since then, it's just been total obsession with waterfowl. Yeah. We were talking about that the other day. Um, who was I talking? Oh, it was Jordan on, on that, that uh, last podcast. And, um, 
he was saying how uh, what was the word he used um primal he's all i think it's a primal yeah. thing and i'm like you know what dude i'm i'm i didn't i could never think of the word to describe mm -hmm. it but i'm like that's the exact perfect word is primal like it's mm -hmm. something in us i think because it you can't just get like that i don't i mean there's nothing else that i'm like that about you know what i mean yeah it's, it's well yeah. we've got thousands of years of being hunter gatherers mm -hmm. especially in men and it's just i'm sure that you know way back when that the men that were better at hunting survived better and the women flock to them better so it's like the more into hunting you were the more you reproduced and the more you it's just like breeding dogs to retreat right. like, you know the, and the, so we the also survival of the fittest in. yeah and it's ingrained in it mm -hmm. that that just hunting and killing and and uh, I mean, we don't do it just to kill, but there's just something right. primal about it for sure. I Absolutely. think I think we need to take it to the next level and start duck hunting with bows, with recurves. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're really gonna get primal on you now. <laughs> oh my gosh! I tried turkey hunting with a bow for about three, or four years, and really got into it. And I swung a bunch of arrows, and not one turkey that I. Killed. That's a whole nother thing that people just literally catch. Like they catch a disease when they start bow hunting, and they get crazy about it yeah yeah it's really fun for sure I, actually I was it, we were doing sightless that's actually if you look it up on youtube there's actually some crazy stuff that people can do with bows like some crazy shots <laughs> yeah like shooting dove uh, off flying by yeah I, I, that's it's like I, that's almost not real like it's like am i is this real like am i even seeing this right because yeah. they just got to be out there for hours or something. Yeah, you got to assume there's a bunch of misses that they're not showing. It's just, <laughs> I just can't imagine how people do that accurate. Right. Yeah. No kidding. But anyways. So, okay, let's roll into the YouTube thing. So now you're hunting. How long were you hunting before you started whipping out the camera? Well, my dad was always big on old camcorder video cameras. They were big and they would actually fit. A whole VCR the old shoulder stuff. ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh <-huh. laughs> nice. And I, so we've got a ton of old footage. Um, a lot of it hunting. I remember there's even one time that my dad and I sat in front of a fire and tried to record a little like video talking about our hunts. I know I've got it somewhere, but that was like, I was probably 18 or 19 when we did it. And so we've had cameras around a bunch and my dad would bring them on hunting trips a bunch. Um, but it's not like it was ever, the type of stuff we're doing it was just fam home family videos right um and so that was kind of we had been doing that um but i didn't actually start filming myself until um i think 2014 i was telling my dad i want to start um after the hunt is over i want to start a video log where i'm just talking about the hunt because i'm not I i'm not remembering these hunts we started keeping detailed records of our hunts and numbers clear back to probably 2004 and five where we actually had a game my dad and i set up between each other where different type of birds counted as different points like a juice was 10 points mm -hmm. dub was one and yeah. it was just for fun between the two of us and and it turned into detailed the game went away but it turned into detailed records of what we shot um just really keeping track of it but even after those like Six, seven years I, I was going back and I was looking at the hunts and I'm like man I would like to be able to remember more about each of these hunts but I told my dad I want to start keeping a, a journal a video journal I want to start keeping a video journal 
and I didn't do it in 2014. And then 2015, my uh, father-in-law gifted me a little tiny camcorder. It was a JVC Evero. And it's the one I used for all of season one. And I, my plan was to do that video log thing. Um, but on hunt one, I just had the camera and I just ended up bringing it along with us during the hunt. And that was hunt one of FDH. And um, as I put that on YouTube, I, was, I wasn't putting, on it, putting it on with the thought of showing this to other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I named the channel and everything and I put it up there, but there was no idea of, oh, I'm going to, People are going to watch this. You know, I, I had just wasn't even trying to do that. I was like, you know, just showing it to my friends and my parents and everything. Yeah. And, you know, I don't remember how many views it got, but I know I was really surprised. A couple hundred views. I'm like, oh my gosh, people are kind of watching this. People are commenting on it. And so, hunt number two, I did the same thing. I just took the camera with me. More people are watching. Hunt three, hunt four. By the time I got to hunt five, um, and now in my mind, I was like, there was a lot of people watching it. I was right. like, I had no idea that people would actually watch it. And back then, you could monetize right from the start, right? Yeah. Um, so I was like, I mean, seven cents on that video. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember telling my son, it's like, oh my gosh, if I could get one check from YouTube for $100, that would just be like my ultimate goal. Yeah. It was just like one check. And uh, about five or six, I was like, holy crap, people are really, really watching this. So now I'm going to make an intro and I made an intro and I actually right around that five time I was like started being like, well, I'm going to see how many people I can get to watch this. Right. Um, so by the end of the season, it was like, to me, it was a thing and I was getting close to a thousand subscribers. And so at that point it turned into the video log idea totally just disappeared. And that's when I started being like, I'm going to actually See what I can do here, and I got to a thousand subscribers, and I bought a new camera, and then it slowly morphed itself into. I'm going all in on this. I'm really, I'm enjoying this. People are commenting. I love watching the videos. I watched all my own videos like a million times each, and that the joy that it brought to me that season one right. was just immense. So from then, it just kind of, you know, became this thing that I never expected it to become. Right. Right. Yeah, um, Ellie, it's such, you don't realize it's starting out, but it's such a blessing having videos of your hunts because not only for, I mean, other people enjoy it too, but it's so much better for us because we can go back, well, I mean, we can only go back, what, two or three years? Two Two years? Two seasons, I guess. Two seasons, but I mean, you've been doing it longer, so it's so awesome to be able to go back a couple years ago and relive that day, you know? I mean, not every day is amazing, Mm -hmm. but... There's those hunts that are like, you go back, watch the video. It's like, man, that was so cool. You know, it's so great yeah. to, to remember that. Yeah. It retain, it re, all your memories are retained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, now with the podcast with Jordan, where we're doing our hunt, our, uh, our hunt podcast, where we just tell our hunt, that's actually the video log that I was going to do. just audio where I'm just telling yeah. about. The hunt. So between the two, it's like, I've got audio and video recording mm-hmm. of every single hunt I go on. And, you know, when I'm 85 in an old folks, I'm probably going to be gorging on that content. <laughs> and it'll all be fresh to me because I'll forget it. Like, you know. <laughs> You're going to be binge listening and it's going to feel like the first time you listen to it because your mind's halfway gone. I know. <laughs> I know. And I know. you know what, though? I, I'm, I'm definitely still in that idea from you guys because it, it really does. Podcasting brings a whole nother 
uh, perspective to everything. You know what I mean? I mean, I know you know what I mean, yeah. but it's just like, mm -hmm. wow. I'm like, really, every episode we do, it's just, I actually fall in love with doing it just a little bit more, you know? Yeah. I've been doing that this summer, going back through and just listening to um, when I'm working out or whatever. I've been going through the last season and just the hunt podcast of listening to the retelling of the hunts. And, and yeah, it's, it's a, man, this whole thing, and I know you guys know this, it's just such a blessing. It adds so much yep. to my life and my hunting, hunting life. It's just phenomenal. You know, you don't want to be negative or thinking, I mean, but think about it. What, it, okay, let's say some of the older people that I hunt with or that you hunt with, you know, in 10 years when they're gone, you know, that's worth priceless. I mean, there, you can't put a price tag on being able to go back and watch that like at all. No, There's no, no way. No. Well, my dad's 75 or 76. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he's had, um, diagnosed with Parkinson's. He's got stents in his heart. The doctors basically told him he can't hunt, which he's still going to some. But I've got his last four years, every hunt he went on the last four years that, you know, I can go back and watch. And not only that, now that he, if he can't hunt, he gets to come with me on the trip because, you know, he's waiting there for my video. So mm -hmm. it's too cold. He can't go. He can see the whole thing and experience it. Yeah. And it's, it's just so, I mean, it's priceless. we live in a time right now. This is awesome. It, it really is. And like you were, you guys were saying that in the in the podcast I was on with you guys, you guys, you can go check that out. Um, go check it out on uh duck gun podcast. And we did a, I did a podcast with them. So you guys need to go there and check it out and, um, give them a rating and review. And if you guys got the chance and time, give us a rating and review too. But, uh, anyways, a little plug there, but we were talking about how it's just, you were saying, I think it was you that was saying how it's just starting to register in our head, how big, big and powerful this is. I, I think, it's clicked in your head a little sooner than mine, but it's just like, even now, like talking about this, it's like, man, you almost can't make enough videos, even no matter how dead the hunt is. Cause I did that last year, you know, like I'd really, there was only a couple hunts that I left out and you know what? I think it was more out of just frustration, how bad of the hunt it was because it, we really had a rough season last year. And I know you were saying you had a real good one, you know, and we'll have to talk about that some, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I look back and now, like, and I told you guys, one of our, I would say, Thomas, you remember that, that hunt that we're laying on the bank and I'm feeding Absolutely. Rocky gummy bears. and <laughs> That <laughs> like, was an all time low point. It was, but now like, it's almost one of my more favorite videos just to rehash just because it's like, it's real, you know, mm -hmm. it's realistic. But. Yeah. That's definitely something that, yeah. that, uh, we needed, you know, it's kind of nice. I mean, you can't show everything, but it is kind of nice for us and other people to just see that like, oh yeah, <laughs> not every second of the video is just like, oh yeah, we're smashing birds or this and that. It's like, we're out, we're out there just like everybody else with us and we're going through the same thing everybody else is and people can relate to that. So it's really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's the best compliment I can get on a comment or whatever. It's like, what I love about your channel is it's just real. Yes. It's just real hunters. Yes. And that, that's like the best thing you can say. Yep. I, I, every time I get that, I'm like, yes, we did. You know, we did something right on what we captured there. Well, let me ask you guys a question. Do you find it? Cause when I, when I view your videos, I, I feel like you guys pretty much keep it real to what, how it is. Now after your second year and moving to your third, have you had a moment where 
you feel like it's harder to keep it real? Because you got more viewers now, you got more negative comments. Do you find it harder to keep it real a little bit and show things that maybe you're not as happy about, I guess? You know what? I'll be honest. I, I 100% am being honest. I actually feel like I show more than I, I, I did my first year for sure. All it was is like, oh, if it's successful, let's show it, and that's it. Because, you know, I didn't know. And then the second year is like, no, I'm showing the dumb, you know, like like us laying on the bank talking to ourselves, losing our minds because how bad the day the hunt was. And like you said, I got more comments than that saying, this, this is what I love. You know, this is the what I want to see. And so I, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it was the viewers that really clicked it in my head like, you know what? That is what I need to see more of. And I think that's what kind of started clicking it in my head. Like the first video I think I put out of the season, the actual hunt, I only did it because Rocky was his first hunt, and it was terrible, terrible. Yeah. Tacked by mosquitoes. I, I don't think you can get worse. Oh, God. honestly, nobody. It on, was actually, like <laughs> it. It was probably eighty to ninety, but it felt like a hundred. Dude, no, it was every bit of ninety-five. Yeah. Mosquitoes <clears throat> were and, literally destroying us, and we only had neoprene waders. Oh, and it was the afternoon, so the hottest point of the day, and there wasn't a bird. From here to Washington, <laughs> one hen shoveler, <laughs> one one hen shoveler, and some coots. Oh, that's a whole separate topic. Uh, yeah. I really everybody hate coots that now. listens to this go and shoot coots. Do it. Find the cheapest ammo you can and destroy them all. Hey, go on De- go on Delta Waterfowl and look up how they're destroying nests. I can tell you right now that if there was the number of ducks where we hunt as the number of coots, I would be probably, I would be the happiest man you've ever met in your life. <laughs> oh, man. So do you have coots all year round or do they, oh, they work go through? No. No, they're it, here year round. They're, oh, yeah. It's, it's, we, we, we actually just went out there the other day and they were there. <laughs> there was a, only, really? not a few hardly any ducks, surprisingly. There wasn't a lot of water out there actually, but. Oh yeah, those yeah. Oh, do then, we have our big coot push in October, and then they're pretty much gone. Oh, that's nice. Really? Yeah. So you're telling us September, we're not going to see any coots because that's what we want to hear. Uh, early November, early November, you might probably uh, will. Hmm. Well, yeah, we yeah we there the Delta Waterfowls put out some nest. You probably seen it, but some nest cam videos, you guys. If you want to check it out, go look on. Uh, just go search it up on YouTube. But uh, their stinking coots are in there literally destroying a canvasback's nest. And then when the the ducklings are out there, they're chasing them around trying to kill them. It's crazy. Stupid things. I, I, did, I did see that one. That yeah. one was uh, posted last year, I think. Uh-huh. I that one. Yeah. Well, but I just, I'm not going to – I typically don't kill things I'm not going to eat. And I really don't want to eat coots. Although, I did do a video last year, a taste test seal versus – Yes, uh, I've seen that. Coots. And I was surprised. I mean, you could tell the difference. But it wasn't unedible. Well, here's the thing. What we do with like, because everyone's like, "What do you do? You ain't eating those shovelers. You ain't eating those spoonbills." And I'm like, yeah, we are. We're putting them in uh, pepper sticks. I mean, because it's mixed in with uh, beef fat, anyways. You know, so it's like you can't taste it. You cannot taste it. And I'm not saying. Now, do you re- do you really believe they taste worse? Because I question whether that's true or not. I think people don't like to chew them because they're ugly. Uh, I'll be. I'm gonna Whoa. be honest with you. Whoa. <laughs> no, I'm gonna be honest with you. These around here, it depends on where they're at. Cause like guys in the rice country, uh, love them. 
you know, because look what they're eating, you know, their, their food's good. These, all these birds here in the grasslands, like where we're at, they're mainly hanging out in sewer ponds, honestly, be just uh, frank okay. with you. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it ain't, it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the feathers, but it, uh, somehow they're absorbing, I think, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I've never yeah. noticed any difference. I had one year where I shot 14 of them. Um, and like, like last year, I think I had one year where they just kept coming in and I just kept pounding them and I don't ever, I mean, I just put all the meat in there and I just don't ever remember being like, Oh, that's an edible. I mean, pretty no. much any waterfowl I kill and eat tastes fine. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I, I'm only saying shoot coots because we're literally flooded with them out here. I mean, there'll be thousands, hundreds in the pond that we're hunting. And there's hundreds more in the next pond over, and there's hundreds more in the next pond over. I yeah, mean, we're not exaggerating. We're, I'm, I'm not just saying, oh, just shoot them all. You know, it, it's yeah. a legitimate problem. It's here. actually it's a, like, a, it's actually a pest. It's turned into a pest. Yeah. I wish you know. I wish well, the put, limit's big. What the limit? It's 25. If that kind of tells you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish they'd put a season where it's just year round, like you can go out on the refuge and just shoot them. Because I don't, I don't know what. Honestly, I could totally see that happen eventually because it's it's that bad. I'm I'm legitimately. In fact, I need to really get that on recording this year and just video all the stinking coots. It's insane. You but, need to do a special coot kill. Coot yeah, kill for real, for real. It's like, video. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually was gonna do that last year, and I'm like, I don't know. Those, yeah, I don't know. People might uh, freak. Out. I guess it doesn't matter. I've seen some other guys do it. That's legal. I mean, yeah. yeah. You ain't doing nothing wrong, but anyways, let's um, uh, let's see here. I had I just lost my train of thought. We were gonna jump. I wanted to jump into something else. Well, okay. So when you were hunting, um, you started out. You're brand new, and then you started doing the videos. But where in there did you get your first duck dog? And who? And um, I had I had Izzy from the start. I got her in her first hunt would have been about 2007. Okay. So I had her. She was she was full grown mature from from the get go, um, and she is my second dog. So um, Georgie is the first dog I've actually purchased since I started videoing. Izzy's been going strong through all of all my videos. Yeah, she she's been through it a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. How she's she- a sweetheart. She's uh, she she's got this right now. I've got to get her over this limp because. She was having some seizures. She had three seizures this uh, summer. And I'm not even convinced they were seizures. Um, when I went up to Flatlander Kennels to get Georgie, I was talking to him about it. And he thinks it's something called, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong, EIC, exercise-induced something or other. Um, and it's something actually they test for now before they breed them. And he said those symptoms sound just like it. And it's just something that you can't really prevent. They she'll collapse where she loses all ability to walk. Well, she actually walks but almost like she's drunk. She'll try to walk and she'll just fall down, like, mm-hmm. like lift to the side and fall down. And she yep. starts panting like a thousand miles. Now, like you think her heart's just about to explode. And, mm-hmm. and it just goes for about an hour and then it just goes away and she's back to normal. So she's had four of those in the last two years. Um, but that's really not what's stopping me hunting her a lot. It's just, left shoulder she's got has a right right shoulder that must be arthritis or something because her limp is she's got a pretty bad limp um so i'm just i'm gonna hunt her this year as much as i can as much because i know she wants to do it so i i will hunt her as much as i feel like physically 
she can handle it. Plus, she tore her ACL last year on hunt number one. She tore her ACL. And everyone tells me once they tear one, they're probably going to tear the other, you know. So, I don't know. She's 12, and part of me says I should just retire. But I see how she looks at me when I leave the house, yeah. and I see how she acts when we go out. And, like, she's done a lot of, of actual um, retrieves lately, just down at the creek and stuff. And she acts so much better when we're out there doing it that I just can't stand to not hunt her at least five to ten times this year. I just can't. She's been, she's my partner. I mean, she's like right. my best hunting buddy. Right. My dad. You know? Right. No, exactly. Have you kept a log of her retrieves, Elliot? I have not. No. Maybe I should do that with Georgie. Yeah, I, do that. See, do, you, do you do that with your dog? I am, but it's my first year. So, it was, you know what I mean? It's already something I thought of. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to actually, I'm going to keep record of it. Yeah. But how do you keep track of it? Because like, um, I, we hunt with my dad's dog, too, Candy, and sometimes we'll have three or four guys. And how do you – I feel like I would lose track. I just – I do it every single day, and, like, I keep it – I have my phone right there, and I just put it in, like, every time and then at the end. Then I tally it and then put the date. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah so I, you just, like, after a retrieve, you'll get out your phone and just mark a little thing? Yeah, just kind of like a – you know, like a check mark or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because like yeah. you said, there's no okay. way you can really remember. Because sometimes she may, or he's not getting it. Maybe you know, maybe it. I yeah. don't know. Maybe it fell right next to me, and I just reached out and grabbed it, or whatever. You know, I'm not counting those. You know. Yeah. See, I could go back and do an approximate, but hunting with two dogs makes it so much more difficult because yeah. if we shoot one bird, we take turns. Yeah. You know, right. His right. dog goes. My dog goes. If it's just her, I could basically just look up my number in birds and go, well, approximately. Yeah. You know. And that's the thing. That, that's the thing. Um, this year, I'm gonna be. I, you know, it's kind of a bummer. But like some of my friends that have dogs, I just, I said, I, no offense, but I'm just this first year. I'm just not gonna hunt, you know, with, with anybody else that has a dog. Not that it's the mm -hmm. wrong thing to do, because you know, to, you want to teach them honor and stuff like that. But I was just. It was kind of, talked to some people about it, and they were like, yeah, that's a good idea. It's not that it would be wrong to hunt with another dog, because it's good for them, but, like, if you really want to get in the most opportunity to learn, man, I'm glad I did, though, because, like yeah. I said, it really wasn't that much even. So if I would have been splitting it with another dog, that would have been a whole lot less experience, you know? Yeah. But So talk to tell well, I'm us. looking back real quick. From, two, from 2000, about Izzy's lifetime, I've shot, 785 ducks in her lifetime I'm looking mm -hmm. so I can assume between everyone else she's probably close to a thousand retrieves I would think that's awesome probably over a thousand probably over a thousand yeah in her lifetime well, isn't, isn't having a dog just the best <laughs> <laughs> it really is it, it's especially one that's calm and <laughs> which makes a big difference which is he is to Right. So yeah, relaxed. My first dog, dog was wild and crazy, and she wasn't steady because I didn't want to try to train her. I mean, I just got her half lab, half golden retriever, just out of the paper because someone had an accidental litter, and I didn't train her at all. She was a mess. Mm -hmm. uh, but Izzy, I actually put time into, and she is the easiest dog to hunt with. I don't have to ever worry about her running away. Like, we'll walk in a mile, and I don't even, never do I even think, oh, I need to watch her. She's mm -hmm. just there, you know? Yeah. She does what she's supposed to do. She's not flashy. She's not athletic. She's not fast. She just does what she's supposed to do, and uh, she's just always there. She's just consistent, and and that and that relationship with that dog is, which has actually been pretty hard with Georgie because I see how Izzy looks at me when I'm giving the dog attention, which is kind of a heartbreaker. 
<laughs> but it's it's something special. Yeah. Yeah, um I I lucked out my brother's the one that actually bought bought a dog and put the time in to train it and all that and it was it was a little rough towards the beginning of the season, you know. We we're adding a whole lot of other things besides duck hunting. We we're adding a brand new dog, video cameras and stuff like that, you know. And at the beginning it was like, man, it's it was rough. But then as the season went on and on, by the end of the season, I was like in love with that dog. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I think a common mistake people make is they expect too much. Well, I know we made this mistake. To expect too much from your dog on the first few hunts. Too, so even too like soon. if they're professionally trained. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just not what you expect right off the bat. I know I was always like, oh, man, oh, this dog's going to suck. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's number one, relax. It's I know. Okay, man. It'll be yeah. All right. <laughs> and then there, there's stuff that they got to learn on their own too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, how how to, how to hunt. You know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. at first, you know, he's learning all this stuff, and then, and then as far as the uh, shooting birds and not being able to find them, you know, he's getting in there using his nose, and he he saved us losing quite a bit of birds, you know, if they fall in some thick toolies or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's like, he comes out with a bird. It's like, man, you know, that, that, that right there, it's just such an awesome thing. It's like, that's so, yeah. you know, cause you, there's no way that you could be doing that. You'd be losing those that birds if it wasn't is, for that dog. Yeah. That's, that's one of the best feelings. Like, mm-hmm. I remember one time it is, she has a well below average nose. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember one time she was just gone and I, I thought, what is she doing? She's been birds down. She's not even looking where she's supposed right. to. She's running off, which is totally not normal. And she comes up with the bird. Like, she had followed it, like, I don't know, a long ways. Yeah. She comes up with it. And that moment is, like, you're just so proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You're learning to trust them because they're learning to trust you, and you're learning to trust them. And it's just, like, that that relationship towards the end, uh, you know, as it progresses, it's just like, wow. You know, you're literally, like yeah. you said, you've said it already. You're a literal team and best friends i mean you depend on each other you know yeah and you get to know in their body language like i feel like with izzy i know pretty much everything she's thinking i can just tell yeah whatever it is in the house or out hunting you just know exactly what's going through their mind pretty much yeah totally well let's go let's uh jump into georgia a little bit like uh i'm really you know i was texting and talking the other day about or commenting on your video i think saying you know man uh you know, and I'm not telling you nothing you don't know at all. That's not even how I'm come, trying to come across. But I was like, man, I wish I would have did more videos with Rocky when he was younger, maybe even if it was two a week, you know, just because it yeah. was like I've already went back multiple times to watch him when he was that age. And I'm like, man, why didn't I video more? Like, because they're only like that for a little while. I mean, once the, yeah. your duck dog becomes a solid duck dog, I'm not saying they're perfect, but I mean, that's pretty much how they're going to be, you know, from then on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't hardly have any pictures or videos of Izzy when she's a puppy at all. I've got like maybe four or five. It won't be that way with Georgie because I've already got just tons of content <laughs> with her. Yeah. I'm trying not to post too much. <laughs> no, you know what though, Elliot? Fun. Don't think that because I, I like I I look forward to those videos coming out, and I I think from what I've seen, looks like everybody else does too. Like I, you could put, I bet you could put three of the. I bet you could almost do a daily vlog. I know you're not going to do that, but I bet you could get away with yeah. a daily vlog and be surprised how many people are tuning in on that. You're probably right. I mean, I, I, I'm planning this. I'm doing one every Monday. So it's a Georgie vlog, number one, number two. So Monday is number two coming up. 
And so I was thinking, like, I know I want content with this dog, and but I, I don't want to do hunting dog tutorials, at least not at this point, because training a dog is such a specific thing, and I feel like, I, part of me feels like if I try to do tutorials, it's a little bit phony, because I'm, I'm not an accomplished trainer. I'm, I'm right. sorting through this with Freddie King videos and resources, so I just want to be like, hey, this is what I'm working on, not like, here's what you should do here, here's what you should do there, you know, it's like, with my sources, this is what I'm working on. This week, Georgie worked on these three things and just little video clips of her doing that. And my hope is that by the time she hunts, which won't be until Teal Hunt number one of 2020, it's like everyone that follows my channel will be so emotionally yeah. bought in mm -hmm. and love this dog mm -hmm. that they'll feel like they know. So I, get, I can't tell you how many comments I get. People really feel, people love it. I've made her such a part of what we're doing. I get comments all the time about how she's doing, you know, miss her. And, and, and I, I think with Georgie, it's going to be even more than that. Cause I, I don't know if you saw, I videoed the whole trip down. To yes. her up and, yeah, I watched it. And that whole process. So, um, I know I can, I'll stick out a, a vlog a week. Um, and I'll keep it up as long as I can. Maybe I can keep it up during season. I don't know. This week it's, I'm introduced, I introduced her to a bird wing. She swam for the first time and I took her to the vet. I actually videoed her getting her little shots, and and uh, and so it's. I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, and then, and just uh, you know, like you kind of going back to what you were saying about you're not one to give instructional because you're not a dill, and that's that's one thing I always did every time I put a video out. Um, because that was the thing I said, guys. I am not a, a trainer, like. I, you are by what you're having to do because you're forcing yourself, but you're not a professional trainer. You know what I mean? You haven't had no experience and it's like, yeah. but then I heard you saying that on, I think it was your guys' other podcast recently where you were saying, man, it's coming out. Like it's making it sound like I, I know what I'm talking about or trying to be an instructional, but that's not what I'm doing. And I did the same thing. And I was like, man, I'm not trying to teach, but I guess what all we were, were doing is just relaying what we were told by the trainer and what we're iterating yeah. to the dog, you know? So I, I don't think I've never thought of it like that when you're doing that, because it's good to hear feedback why you're doing what you're doing. Cause that's the th same thing I said, you know, and there was some people that got on there saying, you know, you're doing that. Cause I mean, you both know there's a lot of different ways to do things out there to get the same results. And you know, yeah. some, I mean, me and you are open-minded enough to know there is that, but there's some people out there, they're just stuck in their rut about training a dog and it's like, Oh no, 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 that's wrong. And I'm like, Hey man, thank you for the input. But, um, I'm pretty sure Chris Aiken or, or Freddie King or whoever it is we're following yeah. knows what they're doing and we're only emulating them, you know? Exactly. If I said that to someone, I was like, Oh man, I'm just following what Freddie King told me to do. And I, I think he's got a pretty decent pedigree. So yeah. <laughs> I think I'm okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that so uh, Georgie's debut is uh, till season 2020, huh? Yep, I got her a little bit. I mean, I could probably try to do some stuff with her in November and December, but I mean, how old, why would I? How, yeah, got, right. How old would she even be? Let's see. She's nine weeks now. So maybe, I may, no, I couldn't even do anything in November, December because I think she's going to be right around prime training time about November. So yeah, there's. That would be six months. I couldn't yeah. even do anything with her even then. Yeah, that'd be. And really... I want to go slow with it. I'm glad I've got a full like year and a half because I want to do it right with her. I want to get her as my goal is to go as far as I can 
and do as good a job as I can. And if I get to the point where I feel like I've done a good enough job that, that I could enter a field trial with her, I would like to do that one time just for the experience. Yes. Um, and I don't know if I can or not, but I've got, you know, Freddie King's website, retrievertrainer.com, makes it very simple. It's got a, it's like, do this, video here, do this, do this. And so I'm just going to go and follow him. I'm going to go through meat dog first. After I'm done with that, then it moves over to like the field trial stuff. And I don't know. I mean, if I'm, if I'm dedicated and disciplined, I've, I'm a, I've got my summers off. I don't see any reason why I wouldn't be able to do it. My dad took his dog through some field trial stuff and got her some ribbons. And it's not like I'm looking for a grand champion thing, but yeah. Um, but, her, her bloodline definitely has the pedigree to do it. I can tell you that for a fact. Yeah. Yeah, did, did she ha- does she have a what's her, what's their pedigree looking like? You got a lot of uh, master and stuff like that in there, master hunters. Yeah, and stuff. Well, let me let me look it up. Yeah, the well, Flatlander Kennels is where I got her from, and we actually partnered together. So um, we kind of I'm promoting them, and he gave me a dog, which I haven't published first time I publicly said that because, and I don't know, I like your opinion on that, like that type of stuff. I that's part of being real for me. It's yes. like. That's how it is. I talked to him. And he was like, "Yeah, let's promote this, and you get a dog." And so I don't want to hide. I haven't talked about it, but should I not talk about it? Should I just be real? Like that's what happened, you know. I I I would assume people know that. Like that just that's the thing about when you grow yourself, and I don't know, Elliot. I think there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, now the, the, let's just do this since you did that. Like, and I've been meaning to do this, and I'm going to probably put it at the beginning of the podcast, but. I just, uh, we just partnered with you, Canuba Dog Food, and it's pretty mm-hmm. awesome because I already had switched because Chris Aiken said to that he, but 100% believes in it, best dog food for um, teeth, um, coat, um, what else, health, like just health and all, all the stuff that combines, yeah. muscle tone and all that. And so I was already been feeding it for a while. And I was like, okay, I'm really liking this. Like he was dropping some little bit of an excess fat because he's not as active in the summer because of the heat. And then, um, yeah, I got in contact with Yukonuba. Uh, they seen some stuff we we posted, and and it was just like, wow. I mean, I I I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're we're putting them out. They're putting you out. It's just like building the friendship, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, me too. So absolutely. I well, mean, I here's. Put, I put that. What? Go ahead. Um, so I was just going back to kind of Flatlander Kennels and and her bloodline, which I'm trying. I'm trying to look up the specifics because I don't know. I mean, there's all these little um, acronyms for what they've passed and everything. But Flatlander Kennels, uh, Chris Jobman is the owner of it, and if you see his wall of just Grand Champion, which Grand oh. Champion is like the highest yes. level you can get, his wall of Grand Champion ribbons is super impressive and from all that i've seen and gathered he pulls down more ribbons i mean they go to just through all the off season clear up even to november is just going to do these field trials and i'm i think it's AKC because there's akc and then hrc i believe i think he's doing the akc which is a harder level and just the the ribbons that that guy accrues at that um, flatlander kennel is truly mind-blowing i'm looking at a picture right here yeah right I, there. I, it, it was in the video crazy. right wasn't it or our picture i seen it because yeah. it was a ton, I the whole wall mm-hmm. the whole wall i guess I, I don't know anything about it but i guess the whole wall um the green the big green ones in the plaque are um the grand master champion which that's like the highest level that you can that you can get to um and 
it's just full of it. Now, Georgie's parents have, I believe, I'm trying to find it here, that they have a couple of grand passes, but they're not fully to the highest level yet. But her dad is named Flash, and Chris says it's the fastest lab he's ever seen. And he said this dog will absolutely be grand champion before it's all said and done. Um, the mom, who I, apparently in order to qualify, I may be a little off on my details because I'm not into any of this stuff. So I'm trying to recite this from memory. So if you guys are listening, you're like, oh, he's not right. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I'm trying. <laughs> um, the, the female, you have to get like six certain passes in order to enter into the Grand National. And you have a whole year to get those passes. Well, the dame, um, she was pregnant, had the litter. She had already had two passes to get to go to that championship level. And in a one month, she got four more passes right after she gave she wow. had the litter. Wow. So, and it normally, you know, they give them a whole year to get six. She got four in a month. So, wow. Now, you can say part of this is how much of that dog and how much of that trainer. I mean, the trainer is a huge factor. Oh, yeah. But, um, these bloodlines that come out of Flatlander kennels, it's just they're top notch. I mean, it's just, I've never even, my dad hadn't, or I haven't had a dog with this type of bloodline ever. Hey, Elliot, it already shows. I mean, she's just nuts. She's awesome. Hey, Elliot, you were talking about letting people know whether to tell them, you know, this guy gave me a dog and, you know, this and that. I think it has to do a lot with what you're already doing on how real you are with people. And like you just said, it has to, to do with the trainer. I mean, you're if you're letting people know, like if you're only promoting things that you really believe in, not just, oh, well, this, this is this company and, you know, they'll work with me and this and that. If it's stuff you're actually using, actually believe in, you know, yeah. and telling people, you know, guys, I haven't been able to spend enough time with her or him, you know, might be struggling for this and that, or he's doing really well, you know, whatever it is, I think the more real you are, the more that people will appreciate and actually like and want to follow you. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, I don't know if you guys have experienced this or not, but I have it a couple of times where um, I've been contacted, like, hey, we'll give you all this. And then if you do a review or whatever, and I'm like, okay, well, listen, um, if I get this, and it sucks. That's you know, that's what I mean. I'm not you're, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, because be, you're putting yourself on the line as well as them. You know what I mean? Let's say this dog was the worst in the world. You know, what are you gonna say? Like, if it's not working out and you're doing your yeah. dead level best, uh, what's that say about them? On the other hand, you know, you're you're putting yourself on the line too. You know. Yeah. So I think For that's sure. I know that, that that can get difficult but like i think if you stay true to being real with yourself and with your channel you know what i mean that's all you can really do i, I totally agree i know that chris at flatlanders his issue his only concern in the partnership was me <laughs> he's like look um because he's like well do you want to send her back at six months and train her and i'm like i really want to do the training myself i don't want to fall in love with this dog and send it back send it away for six months and i feel like i want the bond that I develop and I want to, it's going to feel better to me if I do it myself. It's going to, you know, when the dog achieves and his one concern is like, well, I mean, you know, you're a novice trainer. Um, if you do a really poor job of training this dog and then it's representing 
Flatlander Kennels, how's that going to make us look? And I was mm-hmm. like, this is a legitimate concern. And I'm like, you know, I can promise you, I'm going to be putting my best effort into it. And we can even turn it into a deal where if I suck, I'll have him on and we'll discuss it. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm doing wrong. Right. You know, here's the mistakes I'm making. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting process, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like you said, I, Rocky, I've these these are the comments I get sometimes, Elliot. I'm here for Rocky. And that's and I'm like, hey, thank you. I <laughs> yeah. don't care. I don't. Who wants to look yeah. at my ugly mug anyways? If you were here for Rocky, I'm completely <laughs> fine with that, man. No problems at all. Yeah. So you might. I think I get. It's, I'm pretty sure you're gonna be getting a lot of those. <laughs> it's cool to see people fall in love with or just build a relationship mm-hmm. with aspects of your channel. You know, cares like my friend Aiden Golden Boy or. Danny, when he was hunting with us, and I mean, people really start buying into aspects of the channel, and that's really gratifying to yeah. see that happen. Yeah. So l- let's jump into um, the your YouTube plans. Like, what do you got going on this year? You got anything you want to share with the audience? Like, you know, as far as uh, waterfall season and your plans. Yeah. Well, we we pretty much are at the point where we do the same type of thing every year so in september and october um the best hunting in september and october is out west central kansas where i grew up so i'm on the eastern northeastern side of the state so september and october we go out west a lot um october you can't even hunt around here where i'm at so september teal season we get three weekends we do two out west and then one around home and then october it opens up out west and we'll try to go out there a couple times um, and then November, December, and January tend to be more around my home grounds, around my house, where mm-hmm. I just have to drive like like 40 minutes. And and I don't know how much we can tease this, but we've got this event coming up in November, November 1st, where we're going to be, you know, you guys, well, I'm going to hunt with you guys. You guys are coming to Kansas, and we've got a whole crew of cool YouTubers getting together um, for a big collab that everyone's excited about, everyone's waiting to talk about, but. I'm having problems keeping my mouth shut about it. I'll tell you. <laughs> yes. So, that but the thing about Kansas that's really cool that I, that from talking to you guys, you guys may not have is, is like right now we are barren of ducks. We have maybe a few wood ducks. We've got nothing. And, and then September, the teal start trickling through. October, the pintails and gadwalls and teals start coming through. And then November, the mallets start slowly showing up. And, and, um, December and January, it's like 100% mallets. So we've had this transition of different species of ducks throughout the year, which is adds to the enjoyment. Because um, they come in and they leave. You know, it's like you're not going to shoot a blue wing in November or December. Well, maybe early November, but definitely not December, January. You know, and they're um, and they're probably they come in and out. They're, they're probably not plumed out, right? No, never actually been from Falcon shot a plume one out last year in like late November or December. I had never ever seen that before. Now they all look. Exactly. You can tell them apart, but not because of, I forget how, what you have to do to look, something on their wings or something. But yeah, they're not plumed out at all. In fact, um, this year I'm going with the GHG um, all impact mallards, just where they all look brown. It's, that's real. You know? I, yeah, I don't like it when they've got the big white patches on their face. In teal season, I mean, we always shoot a lot of teal with them, but it just bothers me. I think it bothers me more than it bothers teal. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. 
So, so now we'll I, get in about thirty hunts this year, probably. Specifically about what we get in is about thirty. That's about what we get to. I think uh, twenty five three. I like I hunted more last year than I ever have, and that's probably advantage of YouTube. I think I did push my. Actually, I'll take that back. I number one, I pushed myself harder last year for my dog because I really wanted to get him as uh -huh. many retrieves. And then the thing that pushed me even more is trying to grow, you know, grow the channel and capture all the memories. So those two things combined, but I think it's made me a better hunter too. To be honest with you, just the pressure of yeah. of that, you know. So now, something I was well, going to ask. I'm I, I'm only a weekend hunter because I work, you know, Monday through Friday. So. 30 days is me squeezing every single bit out of her. I, I can't. Every I drop. There's no way I could hunt more than that. Yeah. yeah. There's just no way I could. Yeah. Well, I was one thing I was going to ask you about the YouTube thing before we move on to the next thing is um, length of videos. Have, have you no, I've noticed, I'm asking you, have you noticed this trend of the longer videos definitely being viewed all the way when you look at your stats that you can tell the fad has changed because at first it seemed like it was really the seven, eight minute mark was like, that was enough. And then now it's like, you can get away with 20 minute videos like easily. Have you noticed that? You know, I don't know that I, I've actually, I don't know that I've noticed it in my analytics, but here's how at season one, um, I always, a successful hunt. I guess this is really not just season one. This has been my whole four years. If a hunt is successful, I want it to land between 12 and 18 minutes. If it's a skunk hunt, I want it to land at about seven or eight minutes. That's good. Just because it's hard to get the content. And that's kind of been my the way I've looked at it. And I'm hoping if I can have 50% retention at the end of the video, I'm thrilled. So I don't know that I've seen that. I have to go back and really look at that. But I've, I've kind of stuck to that model. I was starting to go shorter for a while, but then as the algorithm, algorithm kind of changed, I kept hearing, look, it's just watch time. Just watch time. Because, you know, you can get someone to watch three minutes of a video and the whole thing, but if they leave YouTube after they watch that video, that's not good for you. No. You know? mm -mm. So I, that's kind of where I've been between seven and 18. I do not like to hit that 20 mark. I don't know whether that's just something that's in my head or what, but uh, so that's my sweet spot on a good video, 13 to 18 Yeah, minutes. I, I agree. I like that. I never thought of that, um, the way you word that, about how this unsuccessful, shorter, that's a good idea. I might have to model some of that as I'm doing it, which I never really think about. And I don't know if you do. I don't sit there and think about, like, okay, I got to keep this at this many minutes. It's just like I get done editing it, and like you said, in a successful video, it just always ends up being around those times. You know, there's just more content. Well, yeah, I will definitely go through and squeeze it down. If it, if it rolls that 22 and 23, I'll squeeze it down under Oh, 20. yeah. yeah because no. if, it's, if it's that long of a video, you can cut two seconds off of so many different clips. Yeah. And you can just constantly just pair down <laughs> and pair down. Just little yeah. tiny two seconds here, five seconds there. And next thing you know, you're at that preferred mark, you know. That's what's going to be but maybe fun. Maybe I can play out a couple 25-minute videos next year. Because yeah. I just am so, I don't do it. I don't know. Well, the thing is, if you look at the TV stations with their average, the commercials in between, they usually average between 22 to 23 minutes. So it's yeah. kind of the same thing, except you're not having commercials, you know, like they do technically. But anyways. But if you've got a 24 minute video 
don't you think it would be better to do part one and part two? Yep. And mm-hmm. get more get, content. Because you're going to get more views on part yeah. one. That's what I do with my fishing videos um, when we go up to Nebraska. I don't know if you watch those. Where yeah. I do a part one, part two, and they're all about 12 minutes. I, and I think it's better for overall views that way than to cram a 24-minute on something. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because we're, we're, as YouTubers, we're always trying to think of how we can get the most bang for our buck, like you said. So Yeah, exactly. All right, let's. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about and didn't mention at the beginning, but uh, the freelance duck hunt stats. Let's talk about that. The I'm sorry, you cut out the what? The freelance duck hunting stats. Like you want to? Oh go, yeah, freelance, freelance hunt stats. Yeah, oh, I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you have any questions about it? You just want me to start running around? I'm good at running my mouth about that. So. <laughs> no, go ahead, <laughs> run away. <laughs> okay. So freelance hunt stats is a long it goes back at the beginning of the podcast i was telling you about the game my dad and i started um way back with just competing against each other and that turned into a spreadsheet that i built and over 10 years i turned this excel spreadsheet i mean if this thing got i'm really proud of it it got so complex because i could put in i had a little had a little sheet where i could just put in a few things about the hunt how many birds did i kill what kind of birds were they what was the weather? How many shots did I shoot? And I, and that data from that cell would fly all over the place. And I could look at my hunt averages, my shooting percentage. I mean, it just, I, I put so much effort into this Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. But every single off season, in order to get it to work the next year, I like had to go back and kind of recreate it. And just because I'm not a professional Excel spreadsheet guy. So, Every off season, it was a headache to add in all the new formulas for the next season and all that. I had this idea. I was like, man, if I could just have some web developer turn this thing in to an online deal for me so that I didn't have to constantly tweak these formulas. And my dad was using it, too. So he would get in there and mess with the formula. And I'm like, look, Dad. These cells, you just put in your number. You just only, you don't touch them. You put in stuff over here. And so he was constantly jacking with the formulas on accident. And it was a headache, but it was great. So I had this dream. I'm like, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to have this turned into a, a, a developed website thing just for me, right? Because uh, I love keeping hunt data. I love, I love keeping shooting percentage, birds lost per hunt. Um, how many birds do you shoot? How many birds do you shoot at each location? Yeah. So I can literally from like 12 years back go and say, this is my favorite spot. I've shot this many birds. I've lost this many birds. This is my shooting percentage. This is how I've done there when it's sunny. This is how I've done there when it's cold. I mean, whatever data I want for the last 12 years. And that is really, really fun stuff to look at. Right. Right. Um, so as, as, I started developing um, freelance duck hunting and I started getting this following. I'm like, hold on, I've got this audience here and maybe I should go ahead and try to have this thing developed because surely other people would like to do it. And who knows, maybe it would be really successful and I could even make a little money off it. But but I've been dreaming about this thing before I even started the channel at all. So if nothing else, I just want this for myself, right? Right. So I went through a whole planning phase and I got so incredibly lucky because I had, my wife had a friend who was a developer and 
consults with him about it and everything. And he's like, well, I can't do it. I'm too busy, but let me, let me get you in contact with this guy. He, he codes for fun and he's just looking for a project. And so I got in touch with this guy and he's like, I'll tell you what. I mean, he basically was just looking for something fun to do because coding is his hobby, right? So it's like waterfowling for us. He likes to code. Yeah. So he did, um, we had the skills like, okay, I'm just going to give you, if it, if it turns out to make money, you'll get X amount of percent and I'll get X amount of percent. So he built this thing. And my understanding is he, it was like $10,000 worth of work he did. Wow. And he did it for fun. And I'm still paying him an X percent, but it's not making much right now. I hope that it'll grow. But I just got so lucky. I don't know, I don't know about you. I don't have $10,000. Mm-hmm. to just be like, hey, make this fun right. thing I've been thinking about. Forever. Right, right. Right. Um, so he dropped out because he's such a high-level developer. He's actually traveling the country and, like, giving seminars. And so he built this thing ground up the right way. I mean, this thing is well-built machine for the future. Um so he got me in contact with another guy who I'm paying hourly, um, but the bulk of the work was just, I guess it was a godsend. So um, I've got this thing that's developed. It's called Freelance Hunt Chat. And you can go there, and I've got a free aspect to it. And the free aspect is you make an account, you can log all of your hunt information, and then you can go back in and click on the hunt and look how you did on that hunt, um, which I've had... I think about 1,600 people create accounts, which I don't wow. think is insignificant. That's, that um, sounds like a lot to me. There's been 3,500 hunts logged over there, which, again, I don't think that's insignificant either. I feel like I feel proud about those numbers. That's a lot. Um, yeah, that's how. And other parts, like, I don't know what's a lot and what's not a lot. I've never had any web thing developed, so I don't know if that's a lot at this point or not a lot. I have no frame of reference if it's good or if it's bad but if you pay $2.99 then you get the real meat and potatoes of it to where it takes all of your hunt information so you're done with the hunt you just fill out this form you can do it in about two minutes and then after the end of the season or during the season whatever it takes all that data and it puts it over here and it, it shows you your accumulated information and the, that that's cool enough but on top of that there's a filter system to where you can go in like my favorite thing to do is look at my hunt locations, right? So um, September and October, we always go out to this area. I'm not going to name the name of it. So I can sort it by in the last 10 years, this hunt location, what's my data? And it'll show me how many birds I've shot, what birds, how many I've lost, how many I've lost to hunt, how many shots I've fired to hunt. Um, and you can sort it by, you know, all the weather variables well yeah so for me i can spend hours just playing around and look at it and you know it's it's for someone like me who likes statistics and if you don't like statistics and you don't like keeping track of that kind of stuff then you're not gonna like it some people don't want to mess with that stuff they just want to relax and but for kind of geeky guys and that who like hunt logs i've done a lot of research in my opinion it's the best option out there for like a hunt journal hunt log because I've spent a lot of hours looking, and for me, I think it's the best one out there. No, I agree with you. I I um definitely got set up. You set me up with one, and I can't wait to start inputting in it because I actually tried to. And I didn't even tell you this, but I tried to um do it myself by it was uh, it was terrible. I I was just literally just putting in in my notes in my computer, and I did it for mm-hmm. two seasons. Uh, 
the year before last and the year before that. And I'd put a quick deal of the weather, the temp, the wind, just kind of mm-hmm. like you did, except way less than all the things that you can actually do with yours. And I was like, yeah. man, I love doing it, but it was just, it was too time consuming. Whereas your setup, it's yeah. just click, 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 done, you know, yep. super easy. My so. theory is, and I may be wrong on this, because it's been harder to get people to actually get the 299 a month than I ever anticipated. Um, and I'm not sure why. I think one is it's not an app and people want apps. Um, but it's, it's, my theory is that people would like to do this. It's just hard. It's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to set up an Excel spreadsheet. It's hard to be consistent with it. Oh, yeah, it totally. It takes you literally two minutes to log your hunt. Two minutes. Yeah. And you can do it from your phone on the way back from that. You can do it during that. You know? Is it pretty, is it pretty user-friendly user on your phone, too? It's a, yeah, and that's the, that's the frustrating thing about it. It's extremely user-friendly on your phone. Okay. But people, I feel like, want an app. They want to be able to hit that button. Right. But it's it functions as good. If I make an app, the app won't function on your phone any better than what this does now. Well, that's what, I was, that's, that's what I was getting ready to ask you. Are you, or do you have plans to make an app or are you just saying it's easy enough? You, you're not going to need to. Well, it honestly, it depends on, um, if I would like to grow it and I would like to, my, my long-term goal is I would like to be able to go full-time waterfowling, right? Yeah, right. Of course. And, you know how hard it is to make money on YouTube. It's yeah. not easy. Right. Um, you get peanuts. I mean, I've done 3.5 million views on YouTube, and the amount of money I've made for that 3.5 million people would hear it and be like, "What? Right. No, that's all you make? That's a lot <laughs> of views." Yeah, right. And so you can't to go full time on YouTube. It's almost impossible unless you have like you got to be doing like a million views a month, right? To go full time on YouTube, right? Um, so I would like to be able to go full-time waterfowling. And my hope is that, that people will see enough value in freelance hunt chat that I'll get two or 3,000 people that want to use it. And then I might be able to go full-time, you know, waterfowling um, is my hope. Mm-hmm. But if, if, I, if people don't see the value in a website, then I will try to do it. After, an app is so expensive to develop. You're really? talking 10 to 15,000. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. 10 to 15 grand. And I just don't, I don't have, I mean, I, I'm not the type of person I don't like taking out debt. I don't really want to go to the bank right. and get 15,000 right. and, you know, sacrifice my family on something. I don't know if it's going to work or not, you know? Yeah. And that might be something you figure out over time, maybe in a year or two, you're like, okay, it's totally going to be worth it. You know, as you see everything grow. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I, that's, Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I, I hear you. I do feel like that a lot of people would enjoy it. A big portion of people would enjoy it. It's just getting into the point where they're experiencing, okay, yeah, this is something that's easy and enhances my enhances my hunting. Because I, I know it does because I've done it myself, and it's, a, it's amazing. Right. Totally. Yeah, so that's... Uh, and now you can connect, like you and Thomas could connect accounts. But we just added this feature where you guys can connect accounts. So anyone, you can create a crew. So you and Thomas and every guys hunt with, you can see your accumulated. Because people want to see group numbers too, right? Mm-hmm. So you could see how you guys do together as well, which is a cool or a cool feature. That's very cool. Yeah, I like that. All right, man. I This is this conversation has flown by. I can't believe it's already been this long. But uh, it's went... 
good conversation goes by fast, but let's, uh, you yeah, know what? I'm sure. gonna, I might be changing this, this format, Thomas. Thomas is the one that came up with this idea about the craziest of the most memorable hunt at the end of the podcast. So I've kept it rolling. Um, but let's, I think I'm going to start doing two. So the funniest and the most special, special, or memorable. yeah, memorable. or memorable. So let's start with the, the okay. funniest. Funniest. Or, or you can go with either or to, if you're, whatever comes to mind first. Okay. I would say the funniest one, I've got like a three in mind, but the funniest one is actually on the one uh, three hunts in mine only one on my film um the, the funniest was when dan uh, did you watch any of my videos like back when dan was actually hunting a lot yeah i've seen several of them yeah not as many as okay. like the last couple years but yeah so dan was on season one and season two a little bit on season three he got a tick allergy where he can't even eat red meat at all anymore and he just fell off this year but in season two he's just a funny strange guy (laughs) and season two we're hunting early season out in that same area that we're going to be hunting this year and we we get out really early and sometimes we bring food and soup and stuff and we get our burners going and everything and and he pulls out this package and he unwraps it and i have no idea what the thing is it's like this skin of I, i don't it's like a leathery skin mask weird thing i'm like what do you have and I looked on it, and you could—it was like the udder of a pig. <laughs> and what? it was like so. If you if you watch the news, you know Dan. It's so Dan. He had brought some weird pig udder, and he he gets to cutting it up, and he's putting it in his ramen noodles, and that whole conversation line where we're teasing him about, about eating pig feet, and he's it. <laughs> it was. Really, really, it's one of my favorite videos from FDA. I think it's like season two, episode six, seven, six or seven, something like that. But that one, as far as video goes, I just go back and watch that and laugh and laugh because this is classic band eating something weird, doing, and he didn't even, doesn't even do it for the video. It's just like, oh, yeah, I, I got this from the butcher and this is going to taste good. <laughs> in the world? It was really funny. It was really funny. All right. You're, you're most memorable. You're crazy. Well, most memorable. Um, so the day before Thanksgiving, this was about, it was before cell phones, I'll say that. So I don't remember the exact year, 92, 93, 94, in that range. At least I didn't have a cell phone. I was hunting with uh, one of my dad's friends, and we went out to this big lake. And um, this lake had this little tiny island. And we had, we had a boat. It's more like a fishing boat we were using. And we thought, well, let's just go to this little island. It's really cool looking. And let's set up there and see what happens. And so we got we got to the island. It, like I said, it wasn't a very big island. Probably about 50 yards by 30 yards. But trees on the island. So we placed the boat, uh, landed the boat and everything. And we went to the other side of the island and we set up. And we hunted from about 11 to about 3, 3.30. And he's like, well, we better get going. You know, my wife's expecting me home. So he told me, I'll pick up decoys and you go and you get the boat. Well, while we were hunting, we had the boat. So the, the butt end of the boat was facing the main part of the lake. And during that time, the wind shifted and started blowing from the north to south. And it was blowing so hard that it actually was 
uh, white capping and coming over the back end of this little boat and just flooded it. Just mm. full of water. So I got back to the boat and it's completely full of water. We don't have anything to bail it with. And so I walked back and was like, um, I'm not getting the boat because it's full of water and it's so heavy. There's no way we're not doing anything with it. So, um, he went back, we looked at it, thought about what to do. And we're like, no cell phones. So what do you do? You're on an island. Well, we, we started a fire. We had each had a couple of, each had a ring neck each, built a fire, took our little ring neck. And we sat there from 3.30 to 10.30 on this little island, just soaking the fire waiting for waiting for someone to figure out you know what had happened so my dad's back at home and he tragic part of this is my dad's dad and two brothers died ice skating when he was like five years old so water for him and being around water is really really scary so mm-hmm. we're not coming home we're not coming home we're not coming home and my dad's starting to freak out so my dad calls the um Kansas Park Wildlife Park and tells them about it, they start driving around, all they find is our car and our trailer. I mean, this is before GPS and anything, so no, right. my dad didn't know we were hunting on an island. He had no idea. In his mind, it's just like, they're dead. They're dead. <laughs> just like my dad and brothers, they're dead. Because there's the boat, there's the, tra- there's the car, there's the trailer. He couldn't put together anything in his mind to figure out why we wouldn't have been able to walk back to the truck or, you know, whatever. So right. he's having a nervous breakdown. And we're just sitting on this island with a fire until about 1030. <laughs> we finally time. see, yeah, we finally see a boat with a big spotlight and they roll up on us and rescued us about 1030. So literally I was stranded on an island for about seven and a half hours during that time. Uh-huh. So it was, and it actually made the paper. It was in, it was in the paper. It was, I didn't have that big of a town. You know, little town, but it was bringing a little tidbit to, you know, so they tied in my dad's dad and brother's death when he was little and they did this whole ride up on it certainly memorable yeah no kidding wow that's crazy that's crazy so well elliot it's been great i appreciate you coming on the podcast and spending time with us and talking to us and sharing with us all this i really enjoyed it it went by super fast i can't actually i looked down at the timer i was like oh man i didn't realize it's been that long well Talking duck hunting, it's easy to do. Super, <laughs> that's the thing about being on a podcast, like we talk about duck hunting. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's when the time flies. But so, yeah. if you don't mind, one more time, just kind of give all the the social medias out there for everything, like everything you got going. Yep. Freelance duck hunting on YouTube, uh, at freelance duck hunting on Instagram, the Duck Gun Podcast, um, which is on once a week and sometimes two as we go into the season. Uh, Fellowship of the Duck Guns on Facebook for our podcast group or Freelance Duck Hunting on Facebook. Basically, if you go to Google search Freelance Duck Hunting, you're going to find it. You're going you're gonna to find it. <laughs> yep. And then the Freelance Hunt Stats, too. Free, yep. And FreelanceHuntStats.com. You can go there and set up a free account and start playing with it. See if you like the system. If you do, upgrade to the $2.99 um, if you find it valuable. Yeah, you guys will like it. Don't don't be afraid to go check it out, and I'll put it down in the the show notes down below or whatever, and you guys can go check it out and give it. I have a quick link to go down there, so don't be afraid to go do that and go listen to their podcast, guys. It's great. They have awesome uh, um, guests every week, and even when they don't, just their conversations are really good, and I love to listen to it. 
And they, they inspired me to get this going. And I'm glad I did. So glad I started a podcast. Love every, yeah. every second of it. Really doing meeting more and more people all the time. And it's, it's been great. So guys, if you can give us a review, give us a review, write us a review. If you have the time, uh, we really appreciate it. And, uh, Thanks again, Elliot, for coming on. I'm Titus uh, from Mid Valley Mercenaries and the MVM Show. Thomas, my co-host. Yes, sir. Always good talking with you guys. Always good uh, talking about waterfowl hunting, man. I can't wait. I literally can't wait. All right. We're going to sign out, guys, and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>